This is our number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each week we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week and sometimes the events of our often bizarre lives. And we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion on a program heard by 22 different radio stations throughout this formerly great nation of ours. And uh, later on in this hour, probably the next segment, uh, we will be getting to the portion of the show that Leah has been most looking forward to by far. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have actually, just to, for the record, Leah, I have edited uh, our uh, our game plan here. I've called an audible just to make Thank sure you. that we can get to this in a timely fashion. We'll be answering the question, as we've already alluded to, <laughs> is John Ziegler, that would be me, uh, mm-hmm. exactly what so many people have often said that he is? Uh, not just a figurative <laughs> bastard, but a literal bastard. Um, I'll explain shortly. But first, I've got to get to some comments made by President Obama this week about the news media. And the reason why I need to get to them, Leah, is because, as you well know, uh, the foundation of this program, if not the foundation of much of my life, is dedicated to the uh, premise that the news media, as we know it in this country, is fundamentally and completely, totally broken. Right. Uh, it is busted. It's not just dysfunctional. It does not work. It it it, it almost invariably. In fact, I, I, it's hard for me to come up with a scenario where what comes out of the news media is anything close to the truth or what ought to be coming out of the news media. I can't think of of a story since maybe 9/11. I mean, the news media did a nice job with 9/11 for the first, you know few weeks. Um, but that's what it took for the news media to actually act in a responsible and factual and truthful fashion. And, and large, I call it criminally corrupt. That's so, what I refer yeah, to it as. It, well, it's not just corruption because that sounds conspiratorial. It's corruption as well as incompetence and it's weak people having their actions manipulated by forces beyond their control. And that's really what Barack Obama, President Obama, was talking about this week. He was discussing the pathetic nature of this presidential campaign, and there's no question that this campaign has been pathetic. I mean, it has been... It's just flat-out ridiculous. ...what has occurred and what has not occurred with regard to both sides, both the Democratic and Republican side, but mostly the Republican side because of Donald Trump. And, you know, look, look, I don't like uh, President Obama. Most of you probably don't like President Obama. No. My street cred on President Obama is, is pretty darn good since I made a movie called Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected. Uh, but I'm open and honest and objective enough to understand he's not a dumb guy. And occasionally he says things that are true, if only by accident. And he did so this week in an address at Syracuse University uh, where he took on the news media and specifically the forces that I just alluded to, that have caused, in his mind, and I agree with this, the news media to fall down in their responsibilities to doing good journalism and why journalism is dead. Here was President Obama earlier this week. So we are all invested in making this system work. We are all responsible for its success, and it's not just for the United States that this matters. It matters for the planet. Whether it was exposing the horrors of lynching, to busting the oil trust, to uncovering Watergate, your work has always been essential to that endeavor, and that work has never been easy. And let's face it, in today's unprecedented change in your industry, the job's gotten tougher. Even as the appetite for 
information and data flowing through the Internet is voracious. We've seen newsrooms closed. The bottom line has shrunk. The news cycle has as well. And all too often, there is enormous pressure on journalists to fill the void and feed the beast with instant commentary and Twitter rumors and celebrity gossip and softer stories. And then we fail to understand our world or understand one another as well as we should. That has consequences for our lives and for the life of our country. Part of the independence of the fourth estate is that it is not government controlled and media companies thereby have an obligation to pursue profits on behalf of their shareholders, their owners. It also has an obligation to invest a good chunk of that profit back into news and back into public affairs and to maintain certain standards and to not dumb down the news. That's President Obama taking the news media to the woodshed in their pathetic behavior facilitating this absurd presidential campaign. I agree with everything President Obama just said there, and it's an issue uh, that I have tried to educate people about every chance I get. It's the business model that's broken. The media is now a business. It is not a cause. The conservative media is not a, a cause. It's a business. But the the mainstream news media, which used to be a cause about, at least allegedly, journalism and the truth, it's now just a business, too. And that means every aspect of it. It means that, by the way, it, if you're a journalist, all you care about, and we've talked about this constantly, Leah, and what an incredibly important impact this has. If you're a journalist, your number one goal is keep your job or get a better one. That's right. That's it. That's what your goal is. It's not a, which is inherently, inherently antithetical to telling the truth about controversial topics. Because yes. if you tell the truth about controversial topics, what's the most likely scenario in this day and you're age? Fired. You're, you're fired. You're fired. You're at, at worst, you're fired, or at the very least, you might be marginalized. You don't get the better job. You don't get out of the smaller market. Whatever it is. It's well, not good. It, it's not good for you. And that's all yeah. that so-called journalists care about because they're not journalists. They're TV personalities. They're spokesmodels. And the reason yeah. why they're spokesmodels is because spokesmodels get eyeballs on the television more than journalists do because <laughs> we as people are idiots. <laughs> Who don't care about facts, don't care about the truth. We want to be entertained. That's all it is to us. All and they we better care. look good while entertaining us. Exactly right. That's all it is. Are you not entertained? That's what the news media is. When when the line became not just blurred, but obliterated between news and entertainment, it was over. And what Obama is saying is true. But it's also, frankly, what difference at this point does it make? Because there's no going back. Uh-uh. That genie is out of the bottle. And frankly, there aren't any journalists. It's not as if there's a crop of great journalists out there that can't get jobs. There's probably a few. But the reality is those people don't exist anymore because we, our system, our business model for the news media doesn't promote them, doesn't facilitate their existence, doesn't protect them. There used to be a firewall between the business side of the news media and the the news side or the journalism side. 
Forget yeah, about not it. anymore. Boy, you better not do a big story on a huge sponsor. Oh, no. It's not even th- – <laughs> by the way, by the way, it's gotten to the point now where the business side doesn't even have to make that message known. It's inherently understood. That's there, right, there's 100%. A, there's a chilling impact that reporters – when they evaluate what stories they're going to do, they know which stories are most dangerous to right. the business side and which are not. And that, so that's actually the worst of all worlds because the business side gets to pretend, well, we've never told the news department what to do and not. Right. You don't have to because, because they all know they're not complete idiots. They know what's going to keep their job protected and what's going to threaten it. And that's all that matters. And that's why the truth is dead. That's why journalism is dead. And ironically, Leah Brandon, that's a large part of why Barack Obama got elected in the first place. Oh, amen. <laughs> so there we go. There, there's the irony. I find it very odd. It was, it, was, it was somewhat like, you know, Barack Obama going after the news media for not being tough enough on presidential candidates. It's kind of like Tom Brady saying, you know, I think refs shouldn't protect quarterbacks in the National Football League anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the level of hypocrisy uh, and irony there was with the president's comments. But he still was telling the truth, and that's why we played the clip for you. All right, when we come back, I'll explain why we've been asking this question or pontificating this question, whether or not I'm a bastard. Uh, We'll start to try to answer that when we come back on the John and Leah show. But for now, I hope you'll listen carefully to this helpful new message. If you ever have trouble sleeping, do yourself a favor, folks, and listen up. It might just change your life. I know it had a big impact on mine. I'm talking about using MyPillow. You may have seen MyPillow's owner, Mike Lindell, on their TV commercials. Well, MyPillow is fit just for you, the kind of sleeper you are, on your back or your side or how big or small you are. I love MyPillow, and my wife and daughter use theirs as well. Obviously, a good night's sleep is a life changer. And now's your chance to take advantage of this special offer. Buy one MyPillow and we'll give you one for your partner for free. Don't waste another night on bad sleep. Life's too short. Call 800-871-1827. That's 800-871-1827. Use the promo code JL for the John and Leah Show for your free pillow and start sleeping better right away. Call 800-871-1827 or go to MyPillow.com and be sure to use that promo code JL for two life-changing pillows made in America with a 10-year warranty, all for the price of one. That's MyPillow.com. Listening to the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And one of the things that makes this program unique is that uh, we are not afraid to talk about topics no other talk show host ever would dream of doing, for better or for worse. We have no fear at all of uh, at all. D- discussing the personal, uh, even if it makes us look bad, which it often does. Uh, and what I'm referring to uh, tonight is, is, is about as personal as it gets. And I hope I haven't 
overhyped this story because um, Leah knows nothing about the details. She just knows the headline, which is obviously attention-grabbing. Is John Ziegler a literal bastard and not just a figurative bastard, which I'm sure many people have referred to me in the past um, probably more times than I could probably ever imagine. <laughs> uh, and there is a basis for this. So I think this is a good story, but mostly, Leah... I don't want you just to enjoy the story, which I think you will, because it's kind of weird. But I need your help in trying to decipher it, because it's a little bit of a mystery. Okay. It's a little bit all of a mystery. Right. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, and this is going to take a couple different segments to get all through uh, the details of it, and then we'll get some analysis. All right. my As I mentioned before, my parents got divorced after 20 years of marriage and four kids. Now, for... Most of my life, the narrative of my birth, my my birth story, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> not yes. that I'm not that I'm Jesus of Nazareth or Bethlehem or anything like that, but <laughs> but my my birth narrative. Oh, we know that. Don't worry. Yeah, that's for sure. No no confusion there. But my birth narrative has always been that my parent. I'm the first of the four kids. My parents met at Georgetown University, where I would end up uh, going as well. And then after Georgetown, my father graduates before my mother, and he goes into the U.S. military, where he's an officer, and he gets Mm -hmm. assigned to Heidelberg, Germany, the Heidelberg military um, base there in Germany, and Mm -hmm. that my my parents got married in Heidelberg, and uh, that I was then born in Heidelberg uh, at the military base there. Now, when my father got divorced from my mother. He did it in a way that I thought was extremely uh, smarmy. Uh, he basically just, you know, left by surprise, uh, just left a note and, you know, canceled all the bank accounts and all that kind of thing. Um, yes. He clearly he clearly had had advice from some of his business buddies that had gone through the same thing and wanted to make sure he had all the I's dotted and T's crossed and his butt covered. Um, and I was pretty pissed off about that, but I was really pissed off when he ended up getting and uh, applying for and getting an annulment from the Catholic Church in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, uh, where we were living at the time, uh, which means, if you're not familiar with annulments in the Catholic Church, that in the eyes of the Catholic Church, the the marriage never actually existed. Correct. Which I've always joked meant, oh, okay, so that means I'm a bastard, as are my siblings. That's not what I'm referring to here. So I've always joked that I'm a bastard, even though the Catholic Church specifically says, no, 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 you're not a bastard. We still want your money. Uh, So even though the marriage didn't exist and you were born, you're not a bastard. Um, Wait, so basically you could pay to get an annulment? Is that what it is? Well, you know, my father definitely, um, you know, was very good to the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and uh, I think that probably had something to do with it. Um, okay. Although my, my mother's family had also been exceedingly good to the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and so my mother was ripped about this. I mean, she was really pissed off. Now, she was pissed off about the divorce, but she was really ticked off about the annulment from the, the annulment. Catholic Church because of the fact that her family had given so much money and land uh, to the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. So within the midst of that uh, issue, I learned that my parents had been married twice. And that my father says, well, look, part of the reason for the annulment was that we got married when I was in the Army, when I was stationed in North Carolina, because I got a stipend and your mother and I could visit each other. And so then we just got married a second time in Heidelberg, in the Catholic Church, so there were two different marriages, and I always thought, okay, that's a little odd, but okay, I, that's I, real weird. Okay, well, 
this week I found out another piece of the story, which leads us to this question, which we'll get to when we come back on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And I'm in the middle of um, one of the uh, classic John and Leah Show personal (laughs) stories. Let me quickly recap for um, those who may have just joined us. Uh, My um, understanding of my quote-unquote birth story for most of my life was that I was born in Heidelberg, Germany, in an army base because my father was stationed there as an officer in the U.S. Army, that my parents had been born in Heidelberg, and then a couple months after my birth, uh, we moved to the United States where we've lived ever since. My father then got divorced uh, 20 years later after having three more kids uh, and has been remarried now, and this is really tough for my brain to accept, has been remarried to his second wife longer than he was married to my mother. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one psychologically. But anyway, when the divorce happened, my father got an annulment from the Catholic Church, the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, meaning that the marriage never actually happened. And, and for that to occur, theoretically, there has to be some reason that the marriage was inherently invalidated at the time, or it was never valid. So, in other words, there has to be something fundamentally amiss at the time of the marriage for the Catholic Church to say, no, there was no actual marriage. We annul it, and therefore you can get remarried uh, in the Catholic Church, which for some reason was important to my father. Well, normally those things are like fraud or... Uh, the marriage was never consummated. Well, that's exactly right. That's the number one reason. There was never any, there was no consummation, no sex. There was a fraud. In other words, you weren't who you told the other person you were. Right. You know, th- those are the, the, the fu- fundamental reasons for an, a real annulment. But annulments have evolved, if you will, to, uh. to if you have enough money and the Catholic Church, you know, feels like this might be a good thing for them and you tell a good story, then you get an annulment. Um, and so therefore you can stay in the church. All right. So in the process, this is why this is important, though, because I was pissed off about the annulment and my mother was pissed off about the annulment my father gave me a a new detail about my birth story uh at that time okay and this was a long time ago this was back in the 80s when the divorce occurred and i was at georgetown and he said well look um part of the annulment process was the fact that when your mother and i got married we got married twice we got married civilly in North Carolina when I was in the military uh, stationed at Fort Bragg because you got an extra couple hundred hours a month and we could use that money to visit each other. And it was purely a technical marriage. That's what he said to me. It was purely technical. Had Hmm. no impact whatsoever. It was not consummated. Uh, We were just visiting each other. And then then in Heidelberg, Germany, we got married within the Catholic Church. And that's when we had you. And, you know, the rest was history. And I thought, I've always thought, okay, that doesn't really explain the annulment. 
it seems a little weird, but I, I guess I can understand that. I mean, if you're two kids without a lot of money and a couple hundred bucks back in the, you know, back in the '60s was a big deal, uh, and you know, my mother's um, in D.C. at Georgetown and he's in North Carolina. I, I, okay, it makes some sense. All right. So this week, my father with his wife. Uh, comes to visit from Boston, outside of Boston where they live. They come to here to Southern California to see their their grandchild, their last grandchild in all likelihood, my daughter Grace. And but which by the way, they they travel. This is how crazy this is, Leah. <laughs> this is on the side. You know, all told, driving, airports, all the commotion. They probably travel 20 hours to come here to see my my daughter Grace. But they only get to see her for about 10 or 12 hours because they only stay for a day and a half and then they leave, which is really <laughs> weird. I mean, it must be nice to have that kind of money to be able to come across the country to see your, your granddaughter <laughs> and then leave. But in the course of that day and a half, a lot happened this time. I'm uh, sure. Because um, the, the night where we're our last night, or only one, two, two nights, but the second night, we're out having dinner. My father's had a few drinks. And somehow the issue of the annulment comes up and i don't even <laughs> with re- the wife there well you know, it's me leah i mean i don't you know my, my dad's here for a day and a half he's 75 years old i don't know how many more you're gonna convers- hot box him. I, I don't really don't know how many more conversations i'm gonna have in person with my father before he dies or you know something bad happens so that's true so the fact that his wife is there is come on leah you know relevant you know better than you know me better than that it, it could i couldn't care less so it's somehow the annulment comes up and my father um, just very matter-of-factly drops this bombshell that, oh, by the way, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm, I'm giving some more context to it, this is not how it happened, but he basically says, oh, by the way, I've never told his wife, you know, he's never, I've never told my wife, I've never told any of your siblings, um, but that first marriage that we had when uh, from North Carolina, your mother and I got divorced, we got divorced, and I thought the whole thing was over with. And then I go back to Heidelberg. I, he says, I, this is the weird part, Leah. This is where I need a female's okay. perspective. Right. I went from Heidelberg, where I was stationed, which was a nice gig he had because it was during the Vietnam War. And, you know, Heidelberg was a pretty safe place during Vietnam. Not, <laughs> not too many Viet Cong in, in Heidelberg, Germany. No. And so he, he goes back. He, he, come, he was a nice enough guy. To on leave, see my mother from Heidelberg and tell her, oh, by the way, um, that marriage that we had that was fake, allegedly, uh, is no more. And, oh, by the way, the the real wedding that your mother was planning in Philadelphia, which was going to be like a huge, you know. To do. A big deal. I mean, a big, yeah. big Philadelphia social wedding. Uh, social register type of wedding. Um, we're not going to do that either. So we're we're divorced now. Um, the wedding is off. The invitations had already been sent out. The, Whoa. Um, and um, and I'm going back to Heidelberg. Uh, good luck to you. Uh, and again, I'm paraphrasing. And then somehow, some way, and I asked because you know I'm inquisitive and I ask these questions. So how in the world did you go from we're Goodbye. divorced. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, the wedding invitations are null and void. You've now just humiliated my mother and her and her mother, probably more importantly, in front of all their friends and family by canceling this huge wedding. How did you get from there to getting married not that long later 
in Heidelberg. And he says, well, we exchanged audio cassettes and we decided to give it a shot via these exchange of audio cassettes. And oh, well, this and, is just bizarre. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wait a minute. Okay, so th- this makes very little sense in my brain. And, you know, and, and, and of course, you know, I, I don't have much time to formulate uh, um, you know, a narrative here and, and really pin him down because he's leaving in like 30 minutes and he, you know, I don't want to destroy the goodbye with my daughter and all that. And my, and my wife and I haven't had a chance to talk because I'm, I'm really looking for her perspective on all this. So, so he leaves, goes back to Boston, and my wife immediately, almost immediately says, wow, um, okay, so your father's story is that he was married to your mother Never had sex, never consummated. It was a total sham wedding for some military stipends. He gets divorced, kills the real wedding, and then all of a sudden they get married in Heidelberg, and then you're born. Clearly, you were born out of wedlock. That's some paraphrasing what my wife says. Uh, my wife's theory is that what happened here was then in the course of coming back to the United States from Heidelberg to tell her that the wedding was off and that there's a divorce and that the sham marriage is now off, that they must have had breakup sex and that I was the result <laughs> of the breakup sex and that the Heidelberg wedding was a shotgun wedding, which would explain why in the world you would go all the way to Heidelberg, Germany to get, get married. Because with- back in the day, yeah. You you wouldn't go down the aisle uh, doing this big, huge wedding pregnant. And for the record, the only two people who witnessed the Heidelberg wedding were my two grandfathers. The grandmothers did not make the trip. Now, I had always been told or presumed that that was in part because of the fact that the distance, obviously, from Philadelphia to Heidelberg is pretty darn good, especially in the 60s. Um, and then later, I also presumed it was because my grandmother was pissed off because she had had her big Philadelphia yes. wedding taken away. Oh, yes. Uh, but uh, have you seen her? You've seen your mom in, in her wedding photos. I'm trying to remember now. See, I don't even know what they, what date they pretended was their anniversary. Mm. See, I know what year it was, and and I have to say, and this is not definitive at all, but I oh I have a very vivid recollection of when I asked about this when I was a young kid. I don't know how old I was, but every kid asks about you know the circumstances of their birth and blah blah blah. I remember thinking, wow, I was born really fast. <laughs> I mean, but I don't have any proof because I don't remember what date they used, but not that, not that it would prove anything anyway, because they could have just made up a date because I would have had no way of proving what date the, the Heidelberg wedding occurred. And, and, and it was well after the North Carolina marriage ceremony, whatever you want to call that, a wedding or whatever it was. So, so what, what, are you agreeing with my wife or where are you on this? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, the whole bastard thing, It we don't know this. We don't have enough information. We need to know. We need to have a photo of her in her wedding dress or on the day. Is she pregnant? I have, no, if, I have no recollection of wedding photos. Okay, because if she is, then you are not a bastard. 
uh, if she is what? Come again? If she is pregnant and she's getting married, right. then you are not a bastard. Why is that? Oh, well, because oh, oh, oh. All right. You know, well, maybe I'm using the word <laughs> bastard incorrectly here. I mean, to me, if my if my parents uh, had sex and I was conceived uh, outside of wedlock, that me- to me means I'm a bastard. I mean, but, oh, they totally you know. had sex outside of wedlock, well, and I'm not buying the fact that they, uh, you know, used the money to see each other and didn't have sex then either. Oh, I'm not buying that. No. no Except no, no. for the fact you got to remember these are two very Catholic kids. My father's a bit of a geek. It's the '60s. I realize that that seems impossible now. My wife isn't buying it either, and I will acknowledge that my father, the only part of the story, and I, my BS detector is pretty good in general with my father. It's outstanding. I know when my father is lying better than he does. The only part of the story where he was a little bit, uh, I was getting a little bit of vibe of, uh, uh, was when he kept emphasizing, you know, dust out, protest too much. No, there was never any sex, so we didn't yes, consummate. No, he's uh, lying. He's lying, a, lying, 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 lying. He's a lying, lying liar. Yes. He's a lying, lying liar. And I don't know why he would even bring that up. What point does that make? What um, difference well, does that make? Well, what difference at this point does it make? Um, I'll explain when we come back why this is okay. this is more than just a theoretical conversation. Uh, it, it, there is a reason. On the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out all sorts of things about the show, including each and every one of the 22 different radio stations which carry this program on a weekly basis across this formerly great nation of ours. You can also check out the brand-new updated percentages on who's going to be the GOP nominee as well as the next president of the United States. And also, uh, if you hear one of our direct response ads, uh, we we just recently added to the John and Leah show, and you didn't catch the uh, phone number and the promo code, you can check those out. Both of those are listed in the middle of the webpage, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Also, um, if you haven't already, you got to check out the music video at the very bottom of the page, which is uh, done to the the music of Bobby Goldsboro, which we used as our Donald Trump fan theme. Well, one of um, the fans of the John and Leah show actually made it into a music video. So uh, you'll definitely enjoy that if you're in the never Trump category. Uh, all again is at www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Now, um, Leah, I've been telling through most of this hour this uh, story of my birth uh, as I've now learned vital new information <laughs> from my father who visited uh, from Boston to see his grandchild uh, this week. Um, without recapping the whole thing, basically the narrative that I thought I knew has been thrown into great disarray. Yeah. I, I've learned that that not only were my parents married twice, but in between the first marriage, which was a civil marriage, and the second marriage, which was, I guess, both a civil and a Catholic marriage in Heidelberg, Germany, there was a divorce. Uh, 
and that um, my my father had come back from Heidelberg to the United States to inform my mother that um, the big wedding that was being planned for a Catholic wedding in Philadelphia was off, um, that he, they were getting a divorce. The divorce actually went through, was final. And then somehow they ended up getting married, not in Philadelphia, but in Heidelberg, Germany, and I was born how long after? I don't know. All I know is that it was a different year. I was born March 28, 1967, and they were married in 1966, but I don't know what date, which is obviously key, and I don't remember <laughs> I don't remember what they told us the date was, as if that would be uh, you know, necessarily truthful at this point. My mother is dead. My father has an incentive to potentially lie. Well, I, I, you asked what difference does it make, you know, sort of in the last segment. And I wanted to tell you why, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, but this is the way my brain works. And I was almost, um, I, I was trying to absorb it all, but in a way I was most mystified that my father hadn't told me this because in my brain, Leah, had I known all of this, assuming he's telling me, you know, close to the full story at this point, I would have looked far more favorably on some of the things that he did, specifically with regard to divorcing my mother and getting the annulment. That doesn't mean I would have agreed with it. I would have understood it, specifically the annulment. See, the annulment to me, if them getting divorced in between... The first marriage, which my father insists was all about getting a stipend so that he could mm -hmm. visit and yeah, right. see her, mm -hmm. you're not buying. Okay. Not at all. Okay, well, he's emphatic about that um, for whatever it's worth. The, the fact that there was a divorce between that marriage and the next marriage in Heidelberg, that indicates to me that there's at least an argument to be made that the annulment is legitimate because... There's clearly a fundamental problem at the beginning of the marriage. Are you following me here? That that, that divorce having occurred before the marriage, which the Catholic Church would later deem to be sanctified, the one in Heidelberg, the fact right. that they had already divorced, that to me, maybe it's you know the legalistic elements of my, my mindset. In my mindset... That actually facilitates or at least justifies somewhat getting the annulment because clearly there was a major problem before they ever got married in the Catholic Church. Are you following me? Yes. Um, but back then, in, back in the day, it was there were the three conditions, and it doesn't meet any of them after uh, you've already gotten married and had four kids. Well, and this is where the, the part about me being a bastard, depending on your definition of bastard, could play in. If our our theory, and I think you sound sounds like you agree with this, and my wife definitely agrees with this, if I was conceived outside of technical marriage and after their divorce, but before their their real marriage, their Catholic marriage, you mm -hmm. could argue you could argue that my father felt forced into uh, the mar true. marriage, yes. and therefore it could come under some semblance of fraud, I guess. Correct. But, yes, it would. So so in a weird way, and it's, I said this to my dad, I said, Dad, why didn't you tell me about this? He's told no one. I mean, his wife didn't even know. Uh, or his other children don't know. Why wouldn't you tell me this? This is like... And a pivotal part of your entire argument for how you handled 
the divorce. And, you know, he didn't really have a very good answer. Although the most absurd thing he said <laughs> during the entire process was, well, this is how he described it. Well, you know, um, we decided to give it another shot after the divorce. And we did. We gave it another shot and it didn't work. And I'm like, Dad, after 20 years and four kids, you decided. Thank you. We give it a gave, shot. We gave it a oh, shot. Oh, you really put your heart and soul into it, That's huh, a Dad? Hell of a shot, Dad. <laughs> That's a hell of a shot. Four years, four kids, and twenty years later, ah, it just didn't work. We gave it a shot, though. All right, gave it a shot. All right. Well, all right. Anyway, I hope that was uh, somewhat illuminating a story. Did that live up to your expectations? Yeah, it's very interesting. Right. Uh, I'm gonna have to go to ancestry.com and figure. All right. Well, if you get any revelations, let me know. Uh, Podcast at freespeechbroadcasting.com on Monday morning. Until next Sunday. Uh, Leah, you have a great week, and uh, listeners as well. You I'll bastard. be back next Sunday. This is I'm a bastard on the John and Leah show. Have a great week, everybody.